Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. First off, I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of my patrons for supporting the show and making it possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my link tree or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information. One last thing before we get started, I know I've been talking about it a lot on Twitter and here, but my friend Matthew and I are very close to launching our Kickstarter, Too Hot One Shot. It's a really fun one-shot game with some new custom rules for 5e, but it works for any game system that uses a dice rolling mechanic as success or failure. And we've got a bunch of cool homebrew monsters, some maps and tokens. We've got a bunch of cool stretch goals, like we're gonna do some art. We're gonna have a level where you can purchase a cool custom t-shirt with a logo. Anyway, really excited about the Kickstarter, getting ready to launch it soon. So please, 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 if you could go check out my link tree. The top link should be the link to the project on Kickstarter where you can follow it and you'll get an email as soon as it launches. But I'm trying to hit, you know, 100 followers probably ish by the time we launch this thing. So the closer we can get, the better. And I super appreciate it. I know uh, my longtime listeners don't know me as a creator, but after talking to all of these cool designers and game writers and stuff, I just knew I wanted to give it a crack. So if you want to help support me in this venture, that would be so awesome. Thank you. And now, with all of that out of the way, we're on to this episode's guest intro. Malcolm, the artist and the brains behind the weekly role, had no idea his comic would grow as much as it has, but he's enjoyed every second of people laughing with him at his work. He loves looking for inspiration for his next panel in the everyday and in the funniest TTRPG cliches. He even adds some of his real-life experience from his own games once in a while. Enjoy. My name is Malcolm. I'm from Sweden. I have been playing Dungeons & Dragons since, what was it, 2017 maybe? 2018? Something uh-huh. like that. So I'm relatively new to the space. I got into D&D because my cousin wanted to play and he showed me Critical Role that just started the second season. So that sort of that got me into it. I uh, played a bit during my uh, university years. When I studied law, and then I just continued since then, and yeah, I guess. Huh. So you're a lawyer. That's that's pretty interesting. Not a lawyer, but I have a law degree. But I work with <laughs> laws okay. and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a finger, not a thumb, kind of situation, or not all fingers are thumbs. I don't think you guys have a term for it. It's called uh, jurist in Sweden, and I know jurist is a word in English. But I think right. that's a legal scholar kind of thing. I used to do with a law degree that does law stuff sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there's something equivalent, but I'm not going to pretend I know anything about it. So <laughs> my father-in-law is a lawyer, and that's all I know. I did serve on a jury one time, which was interesting, but <laughs> that's a story for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you started running or, or playing games in 2017 with your cousin. Mm. Sounds like a lot of fun. Have you ever run games? And if so, what kinds of games have you run? You know, what's your DMing experience? Like I said, I played first with my cousin and then uh, played with my girlfriend, my other cousin, my brother. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I um, met through my girlfriend, my wife's sister's friend, had a boyfriend. And him and some other, uh, and his brothers and another dude played D&D. And I joined them and I've been playing with them that has been my main group now for a couple of years, and yeah. I have run games for them a couple of times. I started running Storm King's Thunder. That was the first campaign I ran. That was mm-hmm. a bit of a poor move, I gotta say, because that's a very big campaign. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It's gonna be great. It's good to have like the setting. And I also realized very quickly, I'm not a guy that likes to prepare. I just like to just dive in, have minimum. And when you have, I don't know, I got the digital book, but like the book, I bet it's that thick and. You suddenly start realize that oh I already messed up oh okay that doesn't okay I have to redo that <laughs> I stopped after a while when I moved yeah. and started working but then I, I've run 
that one once, and I've run uh, two homebrew campaigns, one of which I'm still running now, but it's just monthly. You've run a few games, and you kind of even touched on um, a mistake you feel like you've made already. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about mistakes that you feel like you've made running games. You can build off that one with uh, prep and realizing that you've screwed up a pre-written module in Storm <laughs> King's Thunder. But yeah, what other examples do you have for us? To touch on the earlier one, prep time is something that I personally have always had a hard time uh, making time for. I'm very much the guy that I prep maybe the day before and then panic prep right before. I've learned to deal with I haven't gone past it. Now I just deal with it by having homebrew so I can just make right. stuff up right there and then. Because Storm King's Thunder, have an actual campaign. You have to read the campaign. And I just, okay, I read like the most important parts. I got that. We started in um, the Icewind Dale. Got that down fairly well. But then like when threads started to like, you got to weave things together. And if you don't know what's going to happen like 10 sessions ahead, then you're just going to be like, oh, who's this guy? Well, you guys met him before. No, we didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no. Oh, wait, you killed him. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, read ahead. Not done that. Otherwise, I've been, I found that I've sometimes, I'm a little bit quick on the draw when it comes to um, NPC interactions. Also, that Storm King's Thunder was a, was a big example of that because, not to spoil anything for people, there's a faction in there that is a bit shady, but it can also, at least the way I read it was that, okay, they're shady but you don't have to know they're shady. They can just be sort of a, a faction. But mm-hmm. I just dove in right then and just something that could be like a oh, cool little thing that happens later. One conversation was just like, hi, we're this guys. We're bad guys. Which, you know, just right away. I, sometimes I give up way too much lore and information in one sitting. Got to learn to just keep my cards close to the chest. Like, it's okay. You don't have to tell them the entire backstory of this one NPC. You can come back later and don't worry about it. I get excited about lore too, right? And even if it's someone else's lore that you've written, it's hard to like not overshare that Mm -hmm. stuff. We'll talk about this probably a bit more later, but something that's funny about Weekly Roll is I feel like you give it very little lore and it's just like snapshots into what's happening Mm -hmm. in the comic strip. And I think that's a very interesting way um, to tell a story and not worry about the big overarching stuff, but kind of focus Mm -hmm. on the minutia. A great tip for a DM is not to dump all this lore on people's laps and let them make their own decisions right i found that like i could offer my players interactions with a few different factions each of which have their own motivations and goals and let them decide okay we think these are the bad people and Hmm. all right yeah now they are you know now they are the villains of this campaign and and it's kind of more fun that way oh yeah it's a lot more fun like i'm just gonna okay i need a blacksmith okay steve let's go there's steve steve is there he seems like a shady guy yes he is why how did you know <laughs> that's been a running joke in my campaigns a little bit uh, yeah also storm king's thunder they wanted to buy a horse and i just went okay yeah there's a stable because i hadn't thought of making a stable like i think there's it's pretty well sort of uh, structured and well uh, prepared like in the book once again yeah didn't really read that much so yeah i didn't know there was a map at some point so it's like a stables yeah sure there's a guy Steve, he's a stable hand. And uh, one of my players just went, when he started to sell them like a, a horse, I was like, I don't think he works here. And then he just sort of spiraled into that, no, we'll make an inside check. Okay, it's clear this guy works here, but he's just selling other people's stuff to you. So nowadays, Steve is the shady dude in the settlement that sells you <laughs> that's not strictly legal. <laughs> It's just a lot more fun when things naturally evolve and become a thing. Yeah, I'm noticing you like the name Steve. That came up a few times in the the comic strip, so pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) On the flip side, uh, what are some really fun and good things that have happened in your games that you remember? Maybe that you all still joke and laugh about today. Maybe some emotional or or really touching stuff that's come up in games that, you know, uh, is part of the magic of D&D and tabletop games. I think one of my favorite interactions have been um, basically there was a uh, player left, had to go on a trip. So mm-hmm. to make it, you know, lore somehow how he didn't you know, come back after just wandering about on a walkabout, basically a dragon swooped up and picked him up. I think this was 
I have done other games than Storm King's Thunder, but that was also because it was still that was one of my first first things. I have played quite a few setting uh, DM quite a few sessions, but the one that really sticks out was Storm King's Thunder. There is a dragon there, Ice Claws. Basically, it was just casually mentioned in the book, like, oh, here, there's an Ice Claw. He's around here. He's an ancient white dragon, or she, can't remember. Point is, there's no encounter. There's no real, like, lair or anything. But it's casually mentioned that sometimes it will swoop down, grab people, and then toss them. And I just thought, okay, guess what? You, okay, you walk out. You get grabbed and you get dropped somewhere and you have to find your way back. That's why it took so long for you to get back when he comes back. And when you know, the player comes back and tells him of what happened, I just thought that was going to be like, okay, that's it. That's a cool thing that happened. Let's stay clear of the dragon. No, no. He goes, all right. Yeah, and then I will drop down and uh, a big dragon. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. We should mug it. And I says, I'm sorry. What? They derailed the campaign and not the whole campaign, but derail it into, okay, let's go try level, what, three. Let's go try and rob an ancient white dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad can happen. <laughs> that was actually my first, I think, like real big homebrew event. Because then I had to, okay, uh, where do they go? Where is there anything in the book? I couldn't find anything, so I had to make it up on my own. Okay, how could you possibly rob an ancient white dragon as a, as a level three? I mean, I have to give them a chance. And so I was really happy with that little homebrew. I've done more in the past, like ever since, but that first one sticks out because it, it went okay. I mean, half of them died, but I mean, right. it worked out <laughs> for me yeah. as a DM. It was like, okay, they seem to have fun. I mean, they got to make new characters now, but no. I was going to ask what happened. It sounds like there were some casualties. There were casualties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So having run games for a while, what are some traits that you feel like make up an ideal player and maybe specifically an ideal player at one of your tables or in one of your games? I think both the ability to be social, but also like be able to get invested in the game or, you know, be sort of invested in social encounters, take space. I'm not sure if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, at least it makes sense in Swedish and, you know, try to have fun, just be relaxed and get in there and have fun, like dare to have fun, but also at the same time, be aware of the other players. So you don't take up too much space. You don't take up too much spotlight. Like you have the guts to actually take the spotlight, to do something, to have fun with it and go crazy because it's D and D it's make believe it's improv, it's improv with math. So like it, it is what you make of it, but yeah. Also being able to see that, okay, I have been talking now for, a solid 15 minutes. That guy has said nothing. What does he do? Maybe I could sort of shift the spotlight to him or or just be aware. Like, you know what? I've just gone off the rails here. Try Everyone else is going to the main room. I have been stalking down in the cellars now for 30 minutes. Maybe I should just head back and not take up much time and stuff like that. Yeah, I think those are all really good traits you'd look for in a player and definitely stuff that I try to do when I'm a player. You know, try to make sure that you're not the one who's taking up all of the time mm. and space. It can be hard, but it's definitely stuff to be mindful of. And now, a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. First off, let's start with Dispel Magic. What would happen if you really could talk to animals, teleport across the world, or make one wish that changes the very fabric of reality? From adamantine selling game designer and author of The Pugilist Class, Benjamin Huffman, comes the podcast Dispel Magic. Imagine nobles running tabloids using the scrying spell or flying trains of Tensor's floating disc. Dispel Magic is the podcast where they overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign. Find them wherever you get your podcasts or go to dispelmagic.podbean.com. Next up, my friend Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand. Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand, returns to his roots as he drags his players kicking and screaming through the land of Barovia. Curse of Strahd, one year on, kicks off one year after his very first TTRPG stream. Returning players Shiv and Abby join newcomer Jen as they explore the blood-curdling horrors that is the realm of Strahd. Airing weekly on the Ampersand D20 Twitch channel, starting November 15th, come listen to Paul torture his players into having an amazing time. Paul is a great friend of mine and he's done a lot of work for me on the side for some other projects, so 
I would super appreciate it if you guys would go check out his stream. Also go check out his website. He does videos and graphic design and all sorts of useful stuff for any new launch of a product or a Patreon or whatever you might have in mind. So yeah, check out Paul. Much love to him. And I will leave the links in the episode notes for you to check out. And Adventure Dice. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll recall Andrea and Blair being guests on my first season. In addition to dice and other awesome TTRPG accessories they have available on their site, right now they're accepting pre-orders and orders for their advent calendars for the holiday season. No matter what holiday you celebrate, they have an advent calendar for it. They have ones of different sizes for different numbers of days for different budgets. So go check that out and find a perfect gift for the tabletop gamer in your life for the holiday season. If you use the code HN, the number 2, DM, on checkout, that's HN2DM, five characters, you can get 10% off your order, and you can help support the show, because I get a little percentage of your purchases as well. So go check that out. Make your orders for the holiday season through Adventure Dice. That's adventuredice.ca, and help support How Not to DM while you're at it. And finally, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcast or video content creator who wishes you spent more time creating the content you love and less time doing the boring editing that bogs you down? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see all of their awesome rates and offerings for editing content. Buy a few hours of editing a la carte or buy their bulk plans if you have more content that you need created. Check out the links in the episode notes for more information about both podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. And now let's get back to the second half of the show, starting off with Quickfire Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, Malcolm and I are going to examine the characters in his webcomic, The Weekly Roll, and decide their highest and lowest stats on their imaginary D&D character sheets. I do a little mini game with each of my guests, depending on kind of what they do. So I figured we could like talk about the Bucket Brigade and their stats. Have you thought about this before? Like, have you made character sheets or are they just, you know, they just exist? They just exist most. I did make a character sheet for Torvald and one for Trevor back in the day, but this was way, way, way back because at least for Trevor, I, I played Trevor at one point oh, yeah. before he was Trevor for one shot. One of my uh, friends did. We did have a, a sheet at one point, but no, I haven't really nailed down what their... Um, what their stats are, and quite frankly, I haven't nailed down what level they are. They just sort of exist. I like to think they're around mm-hmm. level 10. That makes sense with what they've been through. And the spells they have access to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't want to make them too powerful. I don't want to make them too weak. So around level 10, when you start to hit the like supreme level, but you're not quite a god yet, then you're not going to get you know stabbed to death by a lone goblin. So you're sort of like yeah. a good in-between. When Dragons are still a threat, but you're not going to, you know, <laughs> kill god yeah there's a funny um strip where trevor is face to face with the last bandit and it's oh, yeah. like come on you know bring it on have at you anyway uh that's what it reminds me of <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's start with sir beckett so i'm assuming he's paladin right. i don't know if you have any other levels in mind for him but yeah as a paladin what's his highest stat what do you think it's at i would probably say charisma and yeah. i do feel like that he would be a relatively high charisma but strength would be a bit up there too but mm-hmm. mostly charisma and i'm gonna say dump stat gotta be whiz <laughs> <laughs> at some point you have to realize that when you try to redeem a bunch of sociopaths and uh, murder hobos like it's it, i mean fool me once shame on you but like at some point yeah. you gotta think that this is not a smart idea <laughs> I like that. I, I can see that. Uh, I definitely think he's intelligent, but mm. yeah, I don't think he's he's got the uh, the street smarts or the wisdom to know what he's undertaking. Probably it's fruitless. Yeah. But at least from from how I understand wisdom and intelligence, yeah. that I would be like yeah. in regular terms. I think so too. All right, who's up next? Let's do Grogna. Grogna. All right. Highest stat would probably be strength, but I 
the way I thought of that her would be basically like a juggernaut. Just a martial sort of super person. So it would be a strength definitely highest, but then high dex, high con as well. But I was going to say that her dumb set is charisma for sure. Like just Yeah, she not. doesn't talk much, right? No. She's kind of the strong silent type. Indeed. Indeed. I am trying to kind of rope myself into a little bit of a you know corner there. It's just like, oh, how could she talk more? Well, she hasn't talked for, what, 80 episodes now? So now it's going to seem weird. So doing a bit with uh, sign language now, at least. So uh, uh, That sounds interesting. Yeah, just uh, I've been sort of easing that into um, sort of like a subplot going on in the back a little bit. But it's one of the negatives with doing four panels a week is that you start something. It's like, okay, this is going to be a subplot. But then things move slowly. So like, okay, now we move the subplot ahead. And people remember this because this happened oh, 12 episodes ago. Okay, no one's going to remember this. All right, we'll keep going. In. But yeah, so I've got to try and get more dialogue from her now. Yeah, I'm sure there's so many loose ends that you would want to tie up. But like you said, you only have so much, uh, so much time and so much that you've committed to. Yeah. I'll let you pick the next one. All right, we can do Torvald. Torvald is intelligence... A lot of book smarts on that wizard. That makes sense. And <laughs> he's got to know how to evade the taxes, right? Got to know Somehow. how to evade the taxes. And <laughs> I, I'm going to say probably Wiz. That would fit with our little tax evader. That or charisma, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I just got to say, I thought it was super funny that I don't know how many months later that you kind of threw in that joke about the other necromancer he meets. And she says that in the kingdom they're in, that <laughs> undead are tax exempt. And he's like, oh, nice. Like, you know, it's just just so funny. It's such a good callback. Let's do Clara Clara next. Warlock, got to go with the charisma also. Mm-hmm. Honestly, dump stat on her. I haven't really considered. I'm probably going to go with strength. Like from a mechanic standpoint, you'd... Warlocks don't really need strength. Right. Yeah, and she's never tried to solve a problem with her strength, no, right? No, not really a frontliner. Had it been yeah. some, like, had it been Hexblade, then, well, then, then again, that's going to be charisma, but that would make more sense to have with more strength. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. Strength. But then again, that one is harder. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> yeah. Last but not least is Trevor. Trevor, that's going to be high charisma as but low intelligence as He's been illiterate for most of the weekly role, so. <laughs> yeah, when, when he's asking about the wanted posters, hey, <laughs> what is this spell? Oh, man, so good. So good. I like that one, that particular um, comic strip, because it's actually a callback to... <laughs> that sounds like such a pretentious thing when you say, like, actually, what I like about that, it's actually a callback to the... You see, um, if you read... You can like what you make, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Both actually... Krogna and Trevor were originally just characters I made for um, like a challenge I did for myself. There's a, like a randomly generated website you go into, and I did that. I saved the results, and then I drew that as a challenge, and I posted it on Reddit. And both Krogna and Trevor came from that, and his was, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, you know, gnome sorcerer that discovered the value of literacy too late in his life. And the first thing I did was him staring at a wanted poster of himself, trying to make sense of it while a couple of bounty hunters were looking at him. Yeah. Did the random generator say he was raised by badgers too, or was that your own personal touch? <laughs> that would be an interesting uh, generator, but not. Nah. I love it. That's all. All me. right, so that's the stats of the Bucket Brigade. I feel mm. pretty good about it, and I think they're ready for level 11 pretty soon here, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Tell us about Weekly Roll. Where did the inspiration come from? And how has it been going for you? Well, the Weekly Roll, for those of you who don't know, is my little four-panel weekly comic that I do. That's a D&D-inspired yeah, well, comic. And I have been doing that for about, wow, oh no, about three years soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, time flies. I think so. Dear God. Oh, yeah, yeah, most of the pandemic. Gotta keep saying somehow. Anyway, the inspiration from it, at the time, like this was fall 2019, I wanted to get back to do art more. I've drawn most of my life, but it's been very on and off on a very sort of casual level. And I decided that, oh, I want to try and draw more art. And during 2019, I think that's when I started playing, or it might have been a year before, with my current group of friends, D 
D&D was what, what I was into. I hung out on D&D subreddit, and I really enjoyed making characters and being inspired by it. So I did a lot of art for specifically D&D because that made it you know, simpler to say, okay, what can I figure out how to do? Well, I'm going to read up on D&D. Warlocks, that sounds cool. I'm going to draw a warlock, mostly dwarves. But that was sort of, I was in an art space. I was like, okay, D&D was in my mind. And I saw on Reddit that there was a lot of comics, you know, four panel comics and I've always wanted to do comics, but I've had never done one before. So I decided, you know what, I'm actually going to do the do this this time. And I had made the first one, you know, as a one-time thing. I wasn't going to think of anything. Like the first weekly role, I needed to have a character, needed to have a paladin. So I just sketched it up something, and it was Beckett. And I threw him in, and I needed two more characters. Oh, I already made these two characters. Okay, I'm going to throw them in. And that one did very well. I mean, previously, the art I had put up on the D&D subreddit, sometimes I had 1,000, 2,000 upvotes, and I was just like, oh, do people like this? Ooh. And then, yeah. I mean, I can't remember how many upvotes that one got, but that one went a little bit viral, but like went to on the popular side, on the popular page and stuff like that. So that was like, oh, wow, people really like this. Oh, I got to make another one then, I guess. So I made a two-panel one after that, and didn't really receive the same. So I thought, okay, all right, four panels where it's at. I'm going to try one more time to make one. Oh, they like that one. Another one, another one. And then before you knew it, like, okay, this is a series now. All right. They kept on going. And it took a while before it had a name. And the name itself, that was, um, okay, guys, I can't figure out a name. What should I call this? And someone said, well, the Roll Weekly. And so I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Roll Weekly. The Weekly Roll. That makes sense. Let's go with that. So that just kept on going, and I've been trying to do it about once a week for soon three years. And uh, yeah, 126 is going to be this weekend. And how has it been going? Pretty good, pretty good, honestly. This is a like a hobby of mine, but it's turned into a bit of a side gig now. Yeah. But um, honestly, if you look at actually what time I spend on it and like how much, I don't do any marketing for this. I don't really try to get it out there more apart from actually just producing it and putting it up on, you know, the different platforms. So it has done remarkably well, I feel like, because it's just word of mouth and sometimes algorithms kick in and you're like, hey, look at this or stuff like that. So it's, it's done very well. I'm very happy with about it, which also makes me a little bit sort of it's like, okay, here's the this thing I spend a, a bit of my free time every week to do and it's done this well, but I haven't done anything. Should I have spend more time on it? Would it have been better then? <laughs> or would it just have been worse? It's very good for my confidence, but also good to have an existential crisis from time to time. Like, what am I? <laughs> yeah, and that is the eternal question. Like, should I have spent more time on this? Or <laughs> should I have spent less time on it? Like, <laughs> is it just worthless? I think every creator goes through that cycle. So, you know, it's exactly how all of us feel. I think you've spent your time well, though. So, <laughs> personally. Cheers. Where does your inspiration come from for the individual's, you know, panels or, or the storyline? Is it your own games? Is it other people's games that you enjoy? Or is it just all in your head and, and you're constantly thinking of new funny stuff all the time? A couple of strips have been inspired by sort of my own games. I think I, usually I'd mention it in the sort of description, sort of comments underneath it when it is. A couple of them have been sort of things that have happened, you know, in games that I've been part of, but most of it is just that I've come up with. Like I said, if I just keep on thinking of new stuff, and that is unfortunately the curse right now. It just mm -hmm. constantly that's what I'm thinking of. Like when I'm just out walking with my wife, and she looks at me going, "You're thinking about the comic right now, aren't you?" But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just read about the holders, and I think there's a joke in there somewhere, and just yeah, it just constantly white noise in my head like usually if i'm just like this you could do the comic do the comic oh this this could be a cool arc do this do that imagine what happens if beckett finds a finds a cat what happened then Ooh. and just yeah it's just <laughs> that's a lot in my head right now <laughs> unfortunately do you track any of these ideas do you have any kind of like formal process where you like write down notes or you have any kind of like chart that says, okay, and now like I have these five weeks planned out, or is it just you go in that week, you draw it, and then you're done, and then you start thinking up the next one? 
yes to all of that, honestly. It's just been, I've been trying to do a bit better. Now I have the next sort of, I think, 10 or 15 sort of episodes roughly um, roughly sketched out in like the storyline uh-huh. there, but that's just because it's one arc kind of thing. It is a mix because for most of the time, the weekly role has been very gaga week kind of thing. It's been the one thing. And that's just, I sat down that week and I thought, this is funny. And then I try to make it funny. But I do have like a one note document where I put up ideas and I should probably have written more because for most of it, it is, it is just, for example, bored, colon, dr- grogna. That's a comic. I've forgotten what it was about, but most of the stuff I have just in my head, and I, I know if this arc is coming up now, I know that's happening. We do that, 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 that. We can have a little bit, and then this going to come, the next arc. Most of it is just like in my head going up, but I have some idea. There's an order to the chaos, but it's mostly chaos. And I have uh, like character arcs for the different characters planned roughly in my head, but I haven't actually written it down because mostly it's I have the idea in my head, and then I sit down, and then I just try to make it work on the page. I haven't actually written a dialogue. So that sort of just comes with, that's partly why it takes a bit longer than it should, than would have to when I make the comic. I draw and write it at the same time. I know the punchline when I start writing it. I know the rough layout, like I have that in my head, but the rest just gotta have to naturally evolve through it, which is a fun way to create, I feel, but it's also very chaotic and not particularly, um, you know, time effective. Yeah, it's me to a T. Honestly, it's just I know. I was gonna say it sounds like your game prep and my game prep, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, that's just that's me in a nutshell. Everything I do is just chaos, but it's it works somehow. Hey, I mean, if the chaos results in a four-panel comic every week, you know, I, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Which character do you find yourself relating to most, and if you are a player, you know, which kind of character do you find yourself playing um, to? Like, what kind of archetype of, of each of them do you find yourself kind of gravitating towards when you're a player? I'd probably sort of relate most to Beckett because I am a boring little lawful good dude in real life. My moral compass is uh, will not leave me alone. I mean, I recently I bought paint and I accidentally uh, put a you know when you fix holes, you have put a little putty in there, and there's a small metal utensil you can use to help it. I accidentally grabbed one of those and didn't pay for it. It cost like ah. four bucks, and I drove back because I got to pay for that. And the poor people there just looked at me like I was insane. So on that part, you know, Beckett, but you know, mine is the psychopathic backstory. You know, I'm, I'm not right, really the uh, crusading. Oh yeah, yeah, burning but, but, down villages. Let's be in a nutshell. I'm just a very good guy who happens to have an itsy bitsy history with war crimes. Come on, yeah. who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Honestly, with the archetypes, I don't think I actually play really any of them. Because I mean, you have the various characters and what they represent. I usually go for a sort of a grumpy, older, I guess, sort of neutral character when i play i play a lot of mm-hmm. older characters I, i've noticed that and uh, sort of a like, really mercenary type mostly because i feel like i gravitate normally towards the sort of a okay i'm a lawful good kind of dude i gravitate towards that with characters and i was thinking like, no no i shouldn't do that it should be more morally gray sort of do it for the money and you know not worry about killing stuff so maybe not not really any of them in that sense Man, it's a hard question. Okay, yeah, you're more of a Han Solo type when you're playing mm, without the charisma, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you could argue what class and race and stuff he is in in the game. Bit of a scoundrel like, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, that kind of type, or mm. maybe like a Western main character, like from Western movies. Like, sure, yeah. You know, but... they they may have moral gray areas, but anyway, yeah, that's fun. A bit like that. I like that. Honestly, Trevor would be the one I want to play, but I'm always scared to do that because I played something like Trevor once and it was a lot of fun, but it was uh, outside of my comfort zone. I want to do that again. <laughs> played a little goblin warlock that uh, sacrificed people and almost got away with murder. Then the, the party hunter had to do the, I can't remember what it's called, you know, when they do the basically the radar thing, where you can sense everyone around them. The hunters have, they have some sort of, I can't remember what it's called, but 
I don't like that ability, but basically he did that thing and figured that, hang on, someone's missing. So it's just, they went out and you know, found the murder victims. That character had to die. I feel like if I was to play such a chaotic player, I would find it hard to like balance the chaos and making sure that I wasn't ruining everybody else's fun. I was very, very worried about that because that's also like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, attributes for a good D&D player because you said it very well. That was the hardest part of playing that character. It was the most fun character, one of the most fun characters I played, but he was hard to play because you have to balance the chaos and the fun you're having with, you know, other people's fun and also the DM's fun and how disruptive you are. Because if you're a chaotic character and a chaotic player, you're going to be disruptive. And to a certain point, that's good and fun. It keeps a DM on his toes, keeps people entertained, but too much. And it's just going to be annoying. Mm-hmm. So fair. Yeah. It's a line you got to walk. Oh, I got to walk that line. Yep. So scrolling further back in your Instagram before uh, the weekly roll um, really <laughs> kind of took it over. In the before four times. <laughs> the before four, yes. You've drawn stuff from Star Wars, Warhammer, video games, that kind of thing. So other than D&D stuff, what's your favorite stuff to draw? And do you still kind of get to that stuff nowadays? Or is it mostly um, the weekly role that takes over your uh, drawing time? My favorite right now, at least, is probably Warhammer. I'm still really invested in that universe. And I still paint and uh, have too many unpainted miniatures. And I really like sort of the the art style in general, the feel, the vibes. Good vibes. Mm. Very grim, dark vibes. But right now, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have much time except for the weekly role. Yeah. There's a lot more I want to draw. There's a lot more comics I want to make, honestly, which is the negative part about uh, the comic doing you know, quite well, is that, like, okay, apparently I can make comics. So the backlog of you know, comics I put you know, in the back of my mind, I can actually make that potentially? <laughs> I want to make so much. I want to make Warhammer comics too, like fan comics. I mm. got a couple of those planned out too. But right now, with my full time job and this being a side gig, and uh, I'm hosting, oh, just monthly, but I have a D&D game. I've only had time for uh, the weekly role, unfortunately. Yeah. You do have ideas for other comics that you want to put together. Oh, yeah. Cool. I got uh, one more D&D comic pretty much planned out for quite a bit forward. Got uh, two in my own universe. And. <laughs> sort of a Nordic-inspired thingamadig, and uh, also a couple of Warhammer ones. So, yeah. <laughs> I got too much. Yeah, when you've got free time, right? <laughs> when I have the free time, obviously. That will happen, you know, when I'm 60. I'm assuming that's quite a ways away. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're near my age, which I think you are. Anyway, have you thought about, or has anybody approached you to say, hey, we should put this all in a book and like sell it as a physical mm. book. Has there been any thought on that? Is that something you're planning on? I get a lot of questions about that. Hey, if you put this in a book, I'll buy it. And it was like, Hey, so when is it going to come into a book? And it's something I want to do. It's something I wanted to do for quite a long time, but it's um, partly um, because doing stuff like that and merch, I want to do merchandise, for example, like in general, but also this, it takes time to get it together. It takes time to research it and make everything. And right now I have time for making the comic. So it's been going very slow on that front. And also it's a D&D inspired comic. It's clear there's, there's paladins, it's warlocks and everything. So there is a wee bit of, um, you know, legality stuff that needs to be cleared out. And yeah. I have a background in law, so I take it very seriously. Also, because of my background, I also know that I know nothing about this. Intellectual property was not my uh, was one not my tea back in, back in the old college days. So I um, I haven't dealt with it honestly. I want to get that cleared out before I do anything. Uh, I also need the time to do something about it. But I am yeah. um, very slowly moving towards that. However, because I'm taking the time now to do that. I mean, I've hired accountants and stuff to make sure I do everything oh. correctly. Yeah, but yeah, because I mean. I'm not going to make a comic about a tax frauding dwarf and then accidentally get called for tax fraud in real life. I mean, <laughs> I'm all for irony, but that that would just be pushing it. That would be very ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those sound like some fun future projects. 
any other kind of future plans for the weekly role that you could share with us? Anything that you've got as ideas or, or stuff you're working on? I guess you could kind of already see it, but in the future, it's going to be a lot more arcs. Like in the past, like I said, it's been a very gaga week. It's been this week, this standalone thing happened, and this, and this. Like going from meme to meme. But recently, yeah. I think a lot of people noticed that it's been gravitating a lot more towards just longer arcs and more of a coherent story. And that is going to continue. And there is going to be a lot longer arcs too with stuff happening. And quite a few, a couple of old, fa- old faces going to return. And it's going to be some big changes and some. Hopefully dramatic things will happen if I can get the art right and make it look neat. And death says will be rolled. Maybe. Who knows? Oh, okay. You heard <laughs> it here first. I'll folks. kill all your characters. I don't give a <laughs> anymore. This is my strip. I'm going to do what I want with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. You get to decide. I've hit the point of no return. I don't care anymore. And I'm just going to see how much long I can push the fandom before everyone just leaves me. Yeah, it seems like a, a good a good move now that you've hired accountants and everything. Now is the time when I just kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess what? Clara's a great old one, and she's going to eat the world. Let's go. Hey, I mean, we haven't heard much about her, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Fair. People have been asking a lot about that, but I have planned character sort of arcs like focused on different characters for the future, everyone's going to get a lot more backstory. Like Clara, we haven't touched a lot on. Trevor, just a bit, but it's going to be more on that. It is going yep. to be, in the future, quite a bit of more focus on Grogna because I haven't really focused at all on her because I realized I wrote her as a silent, you know, powerhouse, a melee powerhouse, and that was a, that's the character. And just, yeah, that's a bit boring in retrospect there. So, got to try and... Uh, flesh her out quite a bit more and so people who enjoy grogna will be happy in the future people who do not enjoy grogna will be less happy well can't please everybody no exactly well i mean it'll probably be you know at least a year's worth of content then that you've got planned if you're doing backstories for everybody but i'm very excited for that awesome i know we've talked about how busy you are and how you don't have time for anything else but have you ever done commissions for people slash are you open for commissions if people are interested? I did do commissions before I made the comic. And also last commission I made was uh, late January 2020, I think, or something like that. I do not make commissions right now. I don't accept because, like you said, I do not have time for it. I do miss mm-hmm. doing that. And if I can make more time for you know doing the art side and uh, sort of make that into more of a solid side gig, then I would love to do more commissions. But right now, no. Because it's a lot of fun. I love doing it. It's fun to see the characters people uh, people come up with. And that is honestly one of the best part about this game. The role-playing and uh, tabletop RPGs in general. Because, like, yes, you'll have the human fighter. Just a vanilla dude. I'm not human fighter shaming here. But uh, like, sometimes <laughs> people just come up with the, the craziest stuff. On Patreon, I do... Um, I try to do. I don't do it as often as I should, but people can give me suggestions where I should draw when I stream. And it was someone who just went, yeah, someone's character, they suggested it was a warforged, but sort of like, you know, reflavored as a tree stump that could move. Mm. And it was a druid of the swarm, and the swarm was bees that was inside it. And I just, when I looked at it going, oh my God, I, I should, why didn't I come up with that? That's so good. That's awesome. You can reflavor uh, sort of burning hands. It's just you opening the mouth of the war fortune, just bees fly out. And oh, this is a great hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I love hearing the way people flavor stuff like that, too. You're right. It is mm. like the creativity is, is half the fun for me. Mm. The second to last question here is if you have a couple of words of advice for aspiring artists or artists out there who are just trying to kind of get their foothold and um, also um, DMs out there. What are some uh, some words of advice you have for those two groups? If you want to do at least comics, art in general, it's kind of hard for me to give advice to. But if you're trying to make comics, like a webcomic or... A Graphic novel, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my tip that I've learned the hard way is prepare in advance. Make sure that you prepare in advance 
quite a bit because for most part of the weekly roll, I've done it week by week. And it's obviously worked and we're here, but there has been times when sort of the stress of the self-imposed deadline has lessened the fun quite a bit. And mm. the times that I've had the most fun with a comic, honestly, has been sort of early this year when I had a month to prepare. So I had a pretty decent buffer. That's gone now, but that's probably what I would say to, if you want to make comics, make a buffer straight away. Don't just do a little bit week by week. Plan ahead. Have a story outline. And, you know, prepare. <laughs> Sounds very ominous. Prepare yourself. But that's pretty important. Also for both DMs and artists and you know, comic creators and everything, what do you want to do? Make sure you do it because it's fun. Because that is the best motivator. I mean, I have to acknowledge the fact that I have been very privileged to have had quite a bit of success through word of mouth and algorithms that kicked in. And I think I came into uh, comics and started doing that in a kind of fortuitous time because I think a lot of people just sat home and read comics during the pandemic. So it's easy for me to say, like, just do it for because it's fun, not, not because you want to get famous or because you want to get readers, but do it because it's fun. And if it's not fun anymore, what's the point? And that goes both DGMing and, you know, doing the art stuff. Because uh, it's important that you have fun too, not just your players or your readers. I could probably say as well, if you want to do comics, I personally right now am struggling a bit with, I want to do this as a job. If I could do this as a full-time job, that would be amazing. But that's a bit scary because, you know, being a freelance or self-employed, self-employed, is um, it's expensive and scary and not particularly financially stable. And so I have also been very fortunate in that case to uh, have had my sort of my career that's vaguely law-related right now as a strong base that I can sort of build on top of. So when you dive in and try to make comics and try to make a living of it and try to make money from it, which you can do, just play it safe honestly, if you can. Some people can't do that. And some people feel, you know, I could jump into it now and I'll make, you know, about, about as much money and whatever. But some people like me, who very much value stability and safety, I can uh, recommend taking it easy. Just if you can and if you want to. I'm with you there. I still have my day job. I mm. mean, I make next to nothing from podcasting, so it's not it's not a big deal anyway. But you're right. You got to love what you what you do or else what's the point? And then also, um, yeah, it could be scary. But if you want to make the leap, then I guess you should go for it, everybody. So be braver than we are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hope I don't come across as just a, your dreams are nothing but danger. Stay in your lane. Don't take any chances. You just obviously... If you have the guts for it, like shoot for the stars and you know, don't suffocate in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but bring, yeah, bring your oxygen. All right. So you mentioned um, you've got streaming that you do. You got your Patreon. Where can people find you on the internet? You know, what's your schedule like if people want to watch The Master at Work? And uh, yeah, any upcoming announcements or projects you want to plug? They can find my comic, The Weekly Roll, on Webtoon. Uh, you can just search for that in the Webtoon platform. That's a uh, Pretty nice way to read web comics. Uh, I'm also on Instagram under CME underscore T. I also post a bit on the the D and D subreddit and my own subreddit, the Weekly Roll. And I post usually once a week on the weekend. Don't really have a hard time. I just when it's done in the weekend. And I also stream a bit in theory on Twitch CME underscore T there as well. I planned on doing. Uh, once a month, but it has not been that way. Where I, uh, I take suggestions from uh, from my patrons, and I uh, draw that. So I have a little little bank there of characters that I can take up if I don't know what to draw. That's me. Thanks so much for joining me, Malcolm. Uh, been a lot of fun chatting with you, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the weekly role for the few years I've been following it myself. It's been fun to watch all the characters. I don't know if they've learned and, and grown necessarily, but they're having fun, and that's that's what's important. I may have made this joke before, but it reminds me of the TV show Seinfeld. I don't know if you if you've ever watched it, but the showrunner Larry David, he's a, a comedian and a, a show writer and stuff. At the beginning of the show, he said he wanted there to be no learning and no hugging 
And that was like the premise of the show, right? Like 10 seasons and no one learns anything. No one gets closer emotionally. And, uh, you know, I see strains of that in the weekly role, but I love it. You know, that's what makes it so funny to me is, is there, they keep being the same characters, keep doing the same things. And it's, it's so funny. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. So much fun to chat with you and to get to know you better. So much fun to laugh with you too. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your evening. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak week into next week's guest, Chef Mike Harris. There was one game that I was playing where I did not have to say or do anything for about an hour. My players were just in character going back and forth. What are we going to do? Planning. Should we go do that? And talking, learning about their backstories in character. And I just sat there and listened. When that when it's on autopilot and the players are engulfed in what's going on, awesome. Less I gotta do, the more involved they are, having a great time trying to figure things out. If you can get that kind of scenario in a game, fantastic. To hear more about Chef Mike's very best advice for running games and about how he ended up as the hero and villain of the Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce debacle of 2017, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with your friends and family who play TTRPGs as well. New reviews will be read out at the end of the episode as a thank you. Thank you to the team at T4C Studios, The Dragon, for help editing and producing this episode. As a reminder, if you are a content creator, either podcast or video, check out videoeditors.online or podcasteditors.online as it's the same team who helps produce this show as runs of those websites also again quick reminder first link in my link tree the project page on kickstarter for two hot one shot i'm really excited about it i've been wanting to try my hand at game design and this kind of thing for a long time so the more of you that follow it the better i'll feel the more likely i am to keep trying to do fun stuff like this in the future I'm going to be continuing to drop cool sneak peeks into my episodes, like about what you can expect from the adventure. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode some of the cool tiers that we have planned. So keep listening, and please follow it so that I know people are interested and want to buy the game. All right, let's get to the last few thank yous here. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Xcat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're roleplaying is by Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And as always, until next time, roll some Nad 20s for me. <laughs>